Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast. With me, as always, is Derek Swistak. Hey, hey. And Aaron Fleming. Buenos dias. So today, we are in the third episode of our discussion of trust. In our first episode, we talked generally about the nature of trust within uh, cooperative learning. Last episode, we talked about being trustworthy. How do we get people to trust us in a cooperative group? And today, we're going to talk a little bit about being trusting. How do we take people for their word and know that they have our best interests at heart? So I think both Derek and Aaron have an interesting perspective on this, and I would like to hear it. I'm a little suspicious about why you asked that question in the first place there. I only have the best interests of you and all of our myriad listeners at heart. Okay. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust that you do. So I, I think uh, there's, a, there's a couple of things that I want to talk about, but I think the, the biggest one is like when we don't trust or when we don't have good relationships, then we can, that leads to assumptions. And those assumptions are usually based upon um, characteristics of people or like their identity. And that can lead to some implicit bias, right? Like that can lead to definitely like some deficit model thinking about different identities of people. So uh, we, we need to trust others, but we need to like, in order to get to that place, we have to have good relationship skills. And that's all about the cooperative learning game board and building those social skills, modeling them and, uh, you know, showing you can trust others. And a lot of this um, owning our implicit bias, that's something, you know, we have to make sure that our students are aware of and we talk about, we, we build those structures in a, in, a, in a safe and respectful way. But a lot of that is also modeled from the adults in their lives. So I think we as teachers have to be especially careful to examine our own biases and what are we putting on the students in our classroom, the colleagues that we interact with and, and the other members of the community. And so the students are going to pick up the signals that, that we are putting out there. And so if we want the students to be trusting of each other, we have to make sure that we are trusting of the students as well. Absolutely. And that, that, and that means allowing them to make some choices and allows, means allowing them to have say in, in how the classrooms run. It, it can also mean, um, it also means like when you have interactions with students or with the whole class, like being thoughtful about what you're saying and whether that is, is contributing towards building towards a goal or building up relationships. Agreed with all of that. Uh, no, totally agree with both of you. Um, I want to go back to, to something you said, Adam, about that modeling piece. And this is something I really like as an instructional coach. I love when I am in a classroom or maybe when I'm not even in a classroom, maybe I am, I'm in, you know, my office or, or, you know, another teacher's office and some students come in and say, wow, what is my Spanish teacher doing in here with my physics teacher? Like, what on earth would you both have to talk about? You know, or, you know, they walk in and I'm in their English classroom. Like, what are you doing here? Well, we're here because we are partners in learning because we are entering into that relationship of trust to talk about how we can have, so how we can learn better as teachers and how we can get our students to learn better. And that is a perfect model to show students. And when we show them that, I think that's a perfect model. 
you know, as I was telling both of you in our pre-show fist fight, I, I think it's, uh, this is something that's really stuck with me a lot lately. I had a student in my class, I'm going to say about five, six years ago. And he was definitely not in a place of trusting others. And it was due to so many things. Uh, uh, he, he had so many unfortunate circumstances happening in his life. Uh, his family didn't have the financial resources to really provide for his needs, even, even for adequate housing and food. One of his parents was, was sent away out of the country. You have a student who's really struggling to trust those around, uh, around themselves. And, but the magic that happened to this student in the next couple of years was that they really, really jumped into, again, what I'm going to call the, uh, like a trusting network. They could see that there were individuals in the building. There were adults that they saw model this to each other and also to students and especially to this student. But then also when the adults would encourage this student to really find those people to surround themselves with that could help them learn, you know, use that trust as support. You know, a lot of the, the, the cause for success for this student who is now in college and on the Dean's list with a, study abroad scholarship coming up. I just couldn't be so, I I just couldn't be more proud of them, but I look at it and a lot of it is due to that getting past that. I'm not in a place to trust, but I see all these people showing me how important it is. And then once I do it, it just bolsters that success. It's especially a great story because it's in progress and you get to monitor that progress. It shows that what we do and, and specifically what you do in the classroom and the network that you, you build around you, you know, has an impact. So I think there's oftentimes, uh, especially teaching in high school, you see a student for 45 minutes a day for a school year, and then they become a face in the hallway and then eventually they disappear. But this is a student clearly that, that there's so much vested interest in um, that you get to kind of see where, where he's going over time uh, and that it's, it's going well. That, that's, that's great. I think about what are some of the things that the people around him did in order to build that trust. I'm going to go back to the cooperative skills game board, just like we we kind of did last time. When we're talking about being trustworthy, we talked about the things that we were putting out there into the world. But being trusting, it's what are you drawing out of others? So some of those questions like extending others' answers or asking for justification. Again, these are falling under our formulate category. But now I'm telling somebody else, I value your opinion. Please tell me what you have to say. There has to be sincerity when you do that. When I ask, Aaron, what do you think? I have to really mean, I want to hear what you have to think. I'm not just asking you to give myself another opportunity to talk when you're finished. I really want to know what you have to say so that I can add to it. I can build on it. I can learn something from it. And we can learn from each other. And I think to that point, Adam, of course, but I think we have to be comfortable, at least in the very beginning, that, that that first attempt at digging into someone else's idea, it might be artificial. And that's what we have to continue to give feedback on to say, why are you asking that question? Or just continue to say, I love it when I walk through the groups and I hear that genuine interest to see what do you, what do you think? And that 
the more kids hear that, you know, and we talked about this and, you know, way back with our social skills that it, it, it becomes less awkward and it really does become, you know, that those trusting questions where students are asking for more. This is where sarcasm can really kill everything. There's a big difference between saying, Aaron, what do you think? Versus, Aaron, what do you think? Yeah, the tone definitely is really important. And that's that's another thing. Like, it's not just about what you say. It's kind of how you say it, right? Not even kind of, but it is how you say it. And so being mindful of the fact that we, we like, I always go back to the whole idea of, like, conscious parenting or conscious teaching. Like, don't react out of emotion. Like, I forgot how many questions a teacher gets in a day how many questions a parent gets in a day, like being mindful of like, okay, what I say has an impact, right? And how I say it has an impact. And so being thoughtful of when I say this, build towards a goal or does this build towards a relationship? And if it doesn't, then it's probably not worth saying. Um, you know, that, that actually, I've done a lot of research on uh, just looking at like sarcasm and it breaks down along gender lines majorly. Um, that, that males have a tendency to bond over sarcasm and, and, and females do not. And, and they do not look at it that way. And they do not look at it, especially coming from male to a female perspective. So like just keeping those things in mind um, as, as we go through. And that's a, general, a broad generalization, obviously, but uh, still something to be mindful of. So how do we, I guess this is the practitioner in me, like to be thinking about this. Like what, do we, what about when we have students who are reluctant to trust? and may even have some good reasons for being reluctant to trust. What do we do to, to help them come around? Isn't this really where the baby steps approach comes into play? Give small opportunities for the student to trust. Give me 30 seconds of your attention, and then I'll let you go back to what you're doing. Oh, I've got a group over here. They actually, they, they really want to hear what you have to say. Can you just, can you share this idea? And then we'll be finished with this part and just give them these little opportunities for success. And as time goes on, you know, maybe that 30 seconds turns into a minute, turns into two minutes, turns into extended periods of time. But that's where those trust violations can set you back and do maybe irreparable damage. So we need to make sure that those opportunities for the student to be trusting are safe and that we have this blanket of trustworthiness over the entire scenario. I think that's oh, important. That's really important, Adam, that, that you that you mentioned, right? Is like you don't just throw the kid out there. All three of us have coached. At, at one point in our lives, right? And we didn't just, I coached tennis, Aaron, you coached soccer, Adam coached wrestling and some other things too. Um, you didn't just throw a kid out there and say, oh, okay, here's a ball, here's a racket, go, 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 uh, go perform. Um, you, you led them through and, and taught them the individual pieces. And I think that's what you're speaking to is you like, you let them practice those things and like being thoughtful about practicing that. So like just handing a bunch of kids a worksheet or something to work on and saying, oh yeah, just, just talk to each other. You know, you, you know how to talk to each other and, and just walk it away and just assuming that there is trust between them. And, and sometimes there is, and it has nothing to do with you. You just kind of got lucky. Um, and that, that isn't what teaching is about. Teaching isn't about just getting lucky. Well, I think the last thing that I would add would be going back to Adam's last thoughts. And, and of course, Derek, the intentionality is, is paramount there. You know, Adam, you, talk, you talked about really knowing your students. And I think, Derek, you even mentioned this before we, we hopped on today. When you know your students and you know that you have that student who is not ready to trust, and we all know that there are so many reasons 
for a student not to trust. If you know your students well enough, you know that there's someone in class that might be the right trust partner for that student. And you can be intentional in those groupings. So, you know, knowing, knowing when and where, again, like Adam said, to plug that student in and not into your group of <laughs> sarcastic boys, you know, but, but into the, the, you know, the group where, you know, there is trust built up. So intentionality and, you know, and knowing your students plays a big factor here. And with that, I think it's a good pausing spot for this week. Next week, I want to talk a little bit about trust and conflict. One of the things we talk about, we, we, we alluded to this in our first episode of the miniseries, was about this, this balancing of relationship and goal. And so trust plays a big part into that. And so I think we'll have some robust conversations on that topic. But well, I'm looking forward time. to it already. Oh, man. So exciting. But until next week. Let's cooperate. Thank you for listening to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Please check out the show notes for all relevant links, including a link to our Twitter account and the Cooperative Learning Institute webpage. This podcast is copyrighted under the Creative Commons license, copyright 2022. Theme music, courtesy of Jimmy Ryan.